Вот бодавый гостей до нашей Ой, да хорошая да гостюшаке Welcome to Bread and Salt, a radio show about my Russian grandmother and my quest to find out about her life and the world that she came from. I am your host, Maria Schumann. I am a farmer, a singer, a folklorist from beautiful Greensboro, Vermont, where together with my husband, we raise sheep and grow organic apples. Today's episode is going to be about war, because I don't know about you, but I have war on the mind. I think about war all the time, and um, it haunts me at night. Let's go back to 1944. My grandmother, Maria Ivanovna Dikareva Scott, as you might remember, is living in an apartment in New York City with her children, my aunt and my mother. They're small girls. Her husband, my grandfather, is working as a war correspondent in Europe. And she seems not really worried about him because he's in touch. He writes a lot of letters and occasionally sends telegrams. But her family, her parents, her sisters, Tanya, Anya, Shura, Katya, Sonia, and did I forget one? I'm not sure. I think that's it. And her brothers, Grisha and Vasya, and all of their families, their kids, they are all living in a war zone because um, Nazi Germany invaded the Soviet Union in 1941. And it was called Operation Barbarossa. And it was, I think, like the biggest invasion, the biggest ground invasion of all time. There were 10 million combatants taking part in it, 10 million. There were millions of people killed, both soldiers and civilians. There were, I think the, the Nazis like starved to death, something like 3 million prisoners of war. Just huge, huge numbers of people suffering through this. And basically it was a war, a classic war. It was a war of uh, the Nazi Germans. They wanted Lebensraum. That sounds nice, doesn't it? Living room. They wanted a little extra living room. How about um, how about over there in that country? They've got lots of nice land and and uh, and lots of resources. Great agricultural land. Great place. You know, lots of fossil fuels. Lots of other stuff. I'm sure. No problem. Let's just go there. There's just like millions of people living there, but no problem. We'll just eliminate them. So really, that was their their plan. Was massive genocide. 
um, they called it a, a war of annihilation. And their goal was to eventually exterminate the native Slavic peoples by mass deportation, enslavement, and genocide. And this started, of course, with uh, Jewish population. And um, then moved on from there. Um, so they, they sold this war to their German population, both by um, kind of selling the idea of like, oh, all the intervention, right? The Judeo-Bolshevik revolution, they associated like, like the, the Slavs were considered undermentioned as well as the Jews, and the combination of the two was like the worst of all, right? As, because they, they saw communism and socialism as really Judeo-Bolshevik conspiracy, right? Um, so they had that, and then they also had wanting, you know, um, they, they, they pictured it as a war of... Exist, existence, like the Russia was an existential, or the Soviet Union rather, was an existential threat to Germany. And that because of that, that it was um, the people would have to, it was an old struggle of the Germans against the Slavs, the, the light people versus the people, the, you know, the subhuman animal people. And they said the struggle must aim at the annihilation of today's Russia and must therefore be waged with unparalleled harshness. So they had all kinds of orders that, that said no mercy in dealing with civilians. They were going to ignore all rules of warfare for protecting civilians. And um, they started with um, basically starving people it was a big part of their thing. They... They, um, rather than they would steal food for the German army so that they didn't have to get it from Germany. And that would also, uh, kill millions of civilians and they would retaliate against any acts of resistance by instituting collective punishment of civilians and which would involve burning down entire villages and murdering all of the inhabitants. And I am not a scholar of World War II. I'm just reading to you, <laughs> obviously. I'm just reading to you basically from, or or paraphrasing from Wikipedia and from the Encyclopedia of the Holocaust. So they started, um, they murdered a lot of Jewish people, a lot of Jews, and they murdered a lot of other people as well. And my grandmother's family was from Tver, the province or the oblast of Tver in kind of central western Russia. And Tver was really hard hit by the Nazis. So in Tver, um, it looks like, okay, where did I put that? Oh, more than 1,000 villages were completely destroyed. And the cities of Zhev, Staritsa, Zubtsov, Bieli 
regional centers, Silesiarovo, anyway, about 10 cities were also completely destroyed. The hardest hit was Rezhev, where out of 20,000 people who didn't have time to flee before the arrival of the Nazis, only 150 people survived. Again, 150 people survived out of 20,000 civilians. So this was close to where my grandmother's village was. Um, Rezhev was a little further away, but the Nazis came to about, looks like about 100 miles away from my grandmother's village, Udomia. That was the village that her parents lived in at that point. And that's about the distance of Plainfield to Putney. So close. And I think about my grandmother in her apartment in New York City. And she's, you know, trying to get news of her family. There's no internet. She's not hearing from them on WhatsApp or Twitter or whatever, Instagram. She's waiting for letters and they don't come very often at all. So she just doesn't know what's happening with them. She's getting probably like hits of like just terrible news that's happening there. And then once in a while, she gets a letter. My aunt described this to me and she would just sit down with her kids and, and read them the letter from Russia and just cry and cry and cry because the news was always terrible. And I'm sure she was thinking, like, what can I do? What can I do? What can I do to help my family, my people, my friends? So she was going around and she was giving lectures and trying to educate people, educate people about her life growing up in the Soviet Union, but also about the hardships of war. And she was trying to raise money for Russian war relief. And... Now, I'm going to play for you a Russian song sung here by the ensemble Kastroma from San Francisco. It's called Chordny Voren, Black Raven. Black Raven, you are my friend. You fly far away. You brought me a white hand with a ring. I came out to the porch and staggered lightly. I recognized my dear friend's ring. He was killed in the war. He lies on the ground, but not buried in the ground, his body thrown away. And a kind man came to the field and buried 240 people in one grave. Чорний вор на дорог ти мої до Субтитры 
I've been, um, over the last month and a half, I have been following a lot of Palestinians uh, who live in Gaza, who are writing about their experiences and sharing photos on social media, Instagram, for me, that's Instagram and Twitter. And um, I know a lot of people hate social media, and I don't blame you at all. So I just wanted to, for those of you who aren't reading this stuff, I just want to share with you what I have been reading. And I'm not sharing with you the horrific photos and videos, um, just just the words. And as way of introduction, I, I just want to, I will tell their names as best as I can at the end, but um, they are like journalists. Most of them are journalists. Some of them are doctors, poets, nurses, and they write in English. My guess is that most of them are upper class. They're educated. They're probably more privileged than your average Gazan, i.e. they have good cameras and more access to food and water and shelter than most people there. One of them was just on the cover of GQ Muslim World, nominated as the man of the year. He's 24 years old. One of them had his entire family killed, his wife and, and four children, young children all under the age of 10 at the beginning of the war and by Israeli bombing. And he posts photos and videos of his kids alive, playing, dancing, laughing, Another also, another person I followed just also lost his entire family, but in his case, he's a younger man and it's his father, it's his parents and uncles and aunts and cousins and sisters and brothers and their kids. Um, that just happened. One of them's Canadian. He was there volunteering and he got stuck 
He's gone through horrific things and he can't get out. Rather than talking about them anymore, I'm just going to read. And I am, it's not in order. Um, I do keep people together, but it's not in order. Um, I'll make a list for everybody. I'll figure out how to make that accessible to radio people to get a hold of it. And it's almost all of it is after December 1st. So what is that in the last seven days? Okay, here goes. Hind from Hind Gudari. Artillery shelling, shelling in Khanunas, Der Albala and Mahazi. Israeli warplanes are targeting different locations in the south of Gaza. Israeli warplanes are dropping, dropping leaflets on civilians in Banish Suhaila and Kharaha to evacuate. Gaza is definitely unprepared for all of this. Imagine reporting on the killing of your friend person you lived with for weeks. I can't stop crying. In less than 24 hours, Israel killed 178 Palestinians. It was a very hard night. I tried all the natural ways to help relieve my asthma, but it did not work. The explosions did not stop. The sky is orange, reminded me of the last nights we spent in the north before we evacuated. Everything feels so dark and scary. I am stuck in the middle area, can't go north nor south. Where should we flee to? I didn't see the Gaza I know, the beautiful city that everyone loves and loves everyone. Israel has been imposing restrictions on our movement since 2007, since the blockade started. Today, we're not even able to mobilize across the Gaza, Gaza Strip. Houses are being targeted by Israeli warplanes in the north. Thousands remain under the rubble of bombed homes. Fifty houses in Al-Shuyahe have been bombed by Israel today. Fifty houses. Fifty. A complete neighborhood was wiped off in Khan Yunus. Remember the south, the safe area? Israel resumes killing Palestinians. Intense bombing. We are stuck between death and displacement. People are evacuating from death to death. 
People don't know where to evacuate. Everything is being targeted. A cigarette pack costs 60 NIS in Gaza today. It used to cost 18. Hi, we are still here. Don't forget us. Just realized it's December. Where did November go? Thousands of bodies are under the rubble in different areas across the Gaza Strip. The civil defense teams do not have the capacity to rescue all these people. People are digging with their own hands. Israel has partitioned the Gaza Strip into three zones, northern, central, and southern. Carpet bombing heard in the middle area. Non-stop explosions. Yesterday, Israel killed 1,000 Palestinian civilians. Was there any intervention to halt the violence? The global gaze is upon us, treating our situation as if it were a trending topic on TikTok. Israel demolished 60% of the homes in Gaza in 58 days. Intense bombing. Intense clashes heard. Massive explosions. Where should people go? Flee where? Nowhere is safe in Gaza. Where should people go? Flee where? Nowhere is safe in Gaza. Where should people go? Flee where? Nowhere is safe in Gaza. What a night. They bombed Kamal Adwan Hospital in the north of Gaza. Injuries and killings reported. I miss drinking milk. 58 days without any dairy products. People are trapped in the south. They don't know where to flee. My friend was seeking refuge in a school that was bombed 15 minutes ago. She's in the street, homeless. She has nowhere to go to. We officially ran out of food. This world is very unfair. The drone in the sky is very loud, louder than our voices. We are being brutally killed and the world is watching. It was a tough night on the middle area in Gaza. The explosions and clashes did not stop. Look at this picture, then look at it again. This is how people are forced to evacuate in Gaza. I do not feel that staying alive has any meaning anymore. We are disconnected. Tweeting from eSIM. Wonder if we will ever make it to the end. When they disconnect Gaza from world, you know that Israel is cooking something big. Explosions did not stop. 
from 4 p.m. on today. Pray for Gaza. It's a tough night. Something big is happening. We still don't know what's going on. Phosphorus, gas bombs, flare bombs, clashes, explosions. Blackout equals nightmare. Hi, the connection is back. We are still breathing. I'm losing my words. I'm losing my feelings. My fingers typing are tired. My words no longer describe the dire situation. My voice is pale. Khan Yunus witnessed a deadly violent night. Israeli tanks are surrounding the area. It's very dangerous for the civilians there to flee. The safe corridor was the biggest lie. It trapped more than a million civilians in the south. The south is being bombed and destroyed by Israeli warplanes and artillery. This is from Motaz. I woke up to a frantic call from my neighbor telling me that the IDF had broken into our home in Gaza by blowing the doors open. They kidnapped three families that were sheltering inside, then let go of some women and told them to run and not look back. The fate of the rest is unknown. Can you hear her? Can you imagine how painful is this for her little body? A little girl is on the floor of the intensive care in the hospital after they extracted her from under her house rubble caused by an Israeli airstrike. Sky full of Israeli drones, a quadcopter over the square I live in, and no caller ID keeps calling. It's 5.37 a.m. and there was an airstrike very close to us. The neighbors are digging under the rubble to rescue the residents. Very horrific scene as usual. It's been almost two months since I came to the beach and watched the sunset. We miss our life. Gamar means moon in Arabic. She lost a leg and her other leg is broken, and some of her family members lost their lives. She keeps asking her mom to get her leg back to her. Could you close your eyes for a second and imagine the dreams of these people who lost their homes, their lives, and loved ones? Imagine everything you tried to build and achieve got lost in a second. It's like a nightmare. I wish my mom would wake me up with ice water on my face. We were splitting a bottle of juice equally after lunch. Suddenly, a huge explosion happened. It's about life or death now. I did what I could. We are surrounded by the Israeli tanks. A heavy airstrike behind my grandmother's house in Deir al-Bala. Very close.
This is the flesh of a baby. They covered it because it's so hard to show. People are trying to find the flesh of the people, not the bodies. After Israeli warplanes bombed the house in Deir al-Bala in the middle area. Just shock and pain all around. I'm leaving now. It's so dark and it's scary, especially after the Israeli tanks entered the middle area. They got three people from under the rubble. A number of martyrs and injuries. I don't know the final number yet. The sound of Israeli tanks is very close. They are shooting without stopping. Pray for us. The heavy machine gun didn't stop from yesterday. People continue to evacuate, not knowing where to go in the middle area. It was very close. Israeli tanks opened fire directly on us. We made it. This was on Salah al-Din Street. Death and destruction. This is our daily life. Live from my street, another Israeli airstrike. Imagine this is happening in your neighborhood to your neighbors. We are being wiped out one family at a time. Stop the genocide. Uh, Ahmed Shamia. I swear we are tired from the war in Gaza. We are exhausted. Please, please end the war. The war has to be ended. Dear world, where are you? We need you. The explosions did not stop. Israeli warplanes, planes, and drones are like a madman in the sky, bombing everywhere. We don't need anything but a peaceful life. We are tired. It is enough for us. Oh God, it's enough for us. I want to leave Gaza. How? I'm frustrated. All my dreams are smashed. You don't feel how life is under bombing and war. We're not well. We're dying slowly. Take me out. Take me out. End this effing war in Gaza, please. Barrel bombs are being dropped by Israeli warplanes on Gaza at this moment. The hardest thing in life is to smile at your son or daughter when you're psychologically exhausted from the bombing and war. We're alive, but without souls. What a life we live. We wait our death every minute. Our life is not like a grave. Our life is like hell. Please end the war. End the war. Please. Nor Naim Naimi. We are not numbers. We have names. We have faces. We have dreams. We have hopes. We have plans. We have futures.
pray for us. For us, the night is incredibly difficult. The people of Gaza are complaining about the scarcity of rain these days, which hinders the process of cleaning the waterfall of blood from the ground. My father, Mahmoud, my mother, Amina, my brother, Dr. Ayman, and his wife, Dr. Katam, and their children, Mohammed, student, pharmacy, Amina, student, medical, babies, Maria, Fatima, and Hanin, my brother's wife and children, my aunts and their spouses, my cousin Ahmed's son, all gone. Ayman Bashar. Near pharmacies ran out of diapers, sanitary pads, and painkillers. Many hospitals have gone out of service. Like many mothers here, I'm on edge, fearing one of my kids might get sick. Things are getting worse every second. And Gaza has turned into a ticking bomb. We want a permanent ceasefire now. My great-grandfather, Abdel Qadir Bashir, lived in the village of Bashchayit in the Ramle sub-district, where my ancestors owned lands and worked as farmers. Until my family was violently uprooted in 1948, he held onto the key to our house, which we still hold on to today. And, yeah, every Palestinian can answer this easily. Palestinians of the world, where have your ancestors lived in peace before Israel came and stole your land? For those asking about our situation here, is a summary. From my house to my family's house in Jabalaya, to my uncle's house in Khan Yunus, to the schools, to my aunt's house on the western side, to a house for rent on the outskirts of Rafa near the border, in a vast agricultural land area that is hit by shells daily and threatened with evacuation, according to the residents of the area. To the street soon. The internet on my eSIM is not enough for much, but whenever I get the chance, I check tweets of normal life. Some celebrity wearing Dior, poster of a new movie, short clip of a wedding, family having a picnic. And I feel happy that people are not going through what we are going through. Peace exists on the other side of the world. It's so close we could touch it. Life seemed so promising to me, and I worked really hard to make something for my kids. I raised them with love and care. Their father was coming in December, this month, after finishing his master's studies. For two years, Faisal, Jawad, and Rita had nothing to wait for but the idea of meeting their father in December. One small family of five. We made jokes about how we're meeting him and that Jawad will curse him for leaving us because this middle child's mouth has always been uncontrollable. 
I am not writing my final words. No. I just want you to know Palestinians have wanted to live and have normal lives. They wanted nothing but peace. And the story goes way beyond the 7th of October, way, way beyond. Sarah Salibi. My cousins emerged from under the rubble of this massive destruction to find that they were left alone, alone in a world conspiring against them. My cousin, Wagdi, lost his wife, Leila, and his children, and his son, Majd, survived. Ahmed lost his wife and children. Fadi lost his wife and children. Nada was martyred in the Jabalaya massacre a month ago, and her son was left alone. Israel killed him today. Israel killed them all. Dr. Mustafa Al-Masri. Woken up by an explosion nearby, followed by a series of explosions. 24 hours, 180 of my people massacred, looked up the names. Don't these bloodthirsty maniacs get tired? The child, the martyred child, Reem Adufa Lulu, her aunt, wrote, Fly in heaven, my heart's soul. I can't believe this. Farewell, my heart. I always considered her my sister because I'm the only one in my family. And Reem was our family's first grandchild. I always bought her clothes from Turkey, carefully chosen. Reem is still under the rubble of her home with her father, mother, and grandfather, and no one has rescued them. She's still under the rubble, so we don't have a dead child image of her. Better not. My heart won't take it anymore. Khan Yunus skyline last night. There were people in that inferno. There were people in that inferno. Rest in peace, Nisreen. Our last meeting, you were discussing your thesis. Next, I was hoping that you emerge from under the rubble. All I can say for God what he gave, and for God what he took. Good morning. Barely survived last night's bombing. Now to the daily routine. I have to check on some of my patients. Will not wait for heartbreaking news. Carpet bombing now, very near, saying my prayers. Six hours in the fetal position, reciting what I can, disconnected from the world, as carpet bombing erased an area very near. 
crawled away from the wall as it was swinging. Meanwhile, Israelis committed several massacres all over Gaza. Nobody is counting the dead anymore. Can hardly hear now. Hope it is temporary. Abdelhadi Alija. Heartbreaking for me, my niece Alam has ascended to God. She was martyred far from her bed, home, and neighborhood, displaced in South Gaza. I wrote about her a few weeks ago as she became sick due to a lack of food and water. After a week, she was hospitalized, and today she surrendered, a victim of the starvation war Israel has waged on Palestinians. She held a master's degree in literature, was compassionate and sensitive. Ambitious, she aspired to pursue PhD studies in literature. She was killed. As a child, she resembled a doll. I often carried her to the small shop around the corner. Do not cry for me. I am strong, but share the truth. Know the truth. Remember her name, Alam, which means dreams. Al-Alam has left us, and now you are left with a choice to be on the right side of history, or otherwise, there is no other option. Ahmed El Madhun. I used to help everyone get food, drinks, and tents to stay warm. Now I can't even take care of my own family. Been searching for flour for days, but can't find any in the end. I miss my normal life. My mom's morning smile. Playing with my sisters, lunch with the family, seaside visits with friends and solitary night walks through the streets of Gaza. The war has made me appreciate these things more. Longing is overwhelming me. I'm not able to write much about what's happening. It's a complete massacre. In the past few days, we witnessed death every minute. Fear is everywhere. There's no food, no drinking water, and people are displaced with nowhere to go. Solidarity has lost its meaning in the brutality of the occupation Gaza is alone, as usual. Whoever's, whoever died has escaped. Food is hard to come by. And water is scarce, too. Prince Kuta. That's his... Instagram name. I forget what his real name is. Ahmed, I think. Everything has turned into rubble. We were living here. Everything is gone. And everyone we were with. There's no God but Allah. We were sleeping here three hours ago. I went to run an errand. I came back and there's nothing left. I swear nothing is left here. Here we were sleeping just three hours ago. Everyone that was in the house is gone. No one is left. No one. What do we do? Everything is gone. 
We aren't able to get people from under the rubble. Look at this square. Within seconds, everything is gone. So that was, I think, December 1st. And then on December 2nd, he writes, What happened today? I was only 10 meters away. We heard two hits. We fell on the floor straight after 10 consecutive hits. We never knew where it was. We were covered in dust and powder and rocks. All we were saying was, Shahada, each hit. I rolled my mind to the thought that Khalas were dead. I was praying that I only died in one piece and people could identify me. Ten straight hits. I died in each hit. My heart was out of control. My mind was shattered in the thought of death. I never believed I was breathing after I got up. I hit my head in some glass. Getting up, it was so dusty. We couldn't see for some minutes. Today, we died. Every day, we wake up to die in the worst ways possible. What everyone is not understanding or seeing, every day people go to the south, but before they reach the gate that's been made, they're being shot at. Most of the people leave to the south at 8 a.m. with a bag. Some return injured, some die on the way, some return with nothing. My name is Ahmed. I'm Canadian. I came to Gaza to visit and defend my thesis. My family was forced to the south while I was volunteering at the hospital. I couldn't leave people in the north and head south. He means the people in the hospital he was taking care of. My heart never let me. Today we can't help. It's do or die. We are running for our lives, just trying to stay alive. I even registered to go back to Canada, but my name won't come back. I can't even make it to the South. I can't make it anywhere safe. I've lost hope of ever reuniting with my family. It's daytime. In a second, it's as if a solar eclipse happens. It gets very dark and dusty. You don't know what's been hit. It starts to rain, but not the rain we know. It rains shrapnel, rocks, glass, and blood. You start to realize what's happening until another massacre happens to destroy you even more. Under this rubble, there are so many people. Hopeless to find anyone. We were happy people. We've become ghosts trying to survive. And Every minute we ask ourselves, will we be narrating the story or will we be part of the martyrs in the story? No one but us knows what it feels like. We're seeing death every minute. We are literally dead from the bottom of our hearts. We are just moving bodies with dead souls.
another painful point at night. My hands and legs are full of blisters. During the day, we are so busy trying to find life supplies. At night, we are locked up for 14 hours. You start to feel the pain. You flash back everything that you've seen. You feel the psychological effect. You start to realize your body is physically sick, but you have to keep resisting to survive. Above all this, you're living it all with a background sound of heavy explosions, assuming you're dead. You realize you still aren't awake and believe this is just a dream. Here's a song from the Circassian group Jodbjij from their album Songs of Resistance and Sorrow. It's called Morning for Muhammad and partial translation thunder rumbles at the source of the river. I ran out to meet the white horse to see who I'm waiting for. I run out to see who I'm waiting for, and on the back of the horse there's clotted blood. You left me forever, my Muhammad. Oh, grief. Who will I be with now? Oh, grief. Mohammed 
محمد اگر شخار سماجا حیا فایه گوش ما شو زحب تجلی سیبغون خوا گوش ما سیب محمد موی خات مغوی گوش ما سیب غزغون So back to my grandmother in the 1940s in New York City. If you might remember from a previous episode at this time, she had a boyfriend who was Ukrainian, Jewish, composer, communist. So I think of them, the two of them together, like waiting to hear news about what's going on with their relatives and their towns, their villages, the life that they knew. And at the end of the war, they got the news. And my grandmother's news was basically, I can't say it was all good, but it was basically as far as World War II in Russia went, it was pretty amazing. Her entire immediate family, nobody was killed. Her one brother fought in Leningrad and died a couple years later from PTSD and maybe wounds that he had gotten. I, I don't know the details of that. Um, and I know she had a, a brother-in-law, I think, died, and another brother-in-law was taken prisoner by the Nazis, and um, that's a different story. But her village, like I said, the Nazis got a hundred miles away from her village and and then were were fought back. They didn't get further. So she got good news. Lan Adamyan, on the other hand, um, his immediate family, I believe, all came over with him, like his parents and siblings. But the region that he was from, the town that he was from, Mogilev Podolsky in Ukraine, um, did not, you know, the Jewish population there was murdered. A good part of them were murdered and sent to camps. And so the whole life that he knew, um, his world that he had grown up in was totally destroyed. So as I was doing this, working on my radio show, I was about to read the different tweets from the very first Palestinian who I was following when the war started, Rafat. Uh, his tag was, I translate. And I went to his page only to open up and see that he's dead he was killed. He was murdered by a targeted bomb, probably made in America, bought with American money. Um, and he's dead. 
and I didn't know him. I just felt like he was a strong and kind of amazing person. Just like, I don't know, you know, you read somebody's tweets. What do you know? He just seemed like a really beautiful person. And there were several times that I, I thought he was dead um, because he went through so much in the last 45 days with his family. I think he has young kids too. He's a teacher. He's a poet. He um, was an activist. And a lot of people are writing about him now. And I just want to read his poem that he wrote. A poem by Arafat in Gaza, who was killed yesterday by Israel in a targeted missile strike on his sister's house, along with many, many members of his family. If I must die, you must live to tell my story, to sell my things, to buy a piece of cloth and some strings, Make it white with a long tail so that a child somewhere in Gaza while looking heaven in the eye, awaiting his dad who left in a blaze and bid no one farewell, not even to his flesh, not even to himself, sees the kite, my kite you made flying up above and thinks for a moment an angel is there bringing back love. If I must die, let it bring hope. Let it be a tale. And I'm going to leave it at that. I know it's been kind of a heavy time here on Bread and Salt radio show, but it's a heavy time in the world. Goodbye until next month.